Okay, guys, we are in chapter 2. We're going to look at verses 8 through 17. A common feature with all of Paul's letters is, is that he will always have a section where he's warning them against false teachers. And specifically, you have to understand, Just, I want you to put a, a line of, uh, a point of reference in your mind. All the letters that were written prior to A.D. 70, and A.D. 70 was the fall of Jerusalem, the destruction of the temple, great slaughter of the Jews in Jerusalem. Prior to that time, the, the church was mainly Jewish. Okay, so the, so the threat of false teachers was the imposition of the law on Gentiles. Men had to be circumcised. They had to eat certain kosher foods. They had to keep the festivals and the new moons and so forth. After A.D. 70, the church becomes primarily Gentile, and so the level of false teaching changes, okay, changes to a denial of Jesus as his resurrection and so forth. Uh, and so... What I want, want you to understand is, is when we're looking at this letter today, when we talk about the false teaching that they're struggling with here today, it's primarily going to be a false teaching that's rooted in Judaism. It's rooted into an Old Testament concept of the law. So he's going to talk about that. And, and how we can apply it to our lives today is, is that the closest thing that we could come to it is legalism. Okay? Legalism. And legalism is simply any type of, of regulation or commandment that is not mentioned in the scripture that anybody would say to you that you need to adhere to in order to be accepted with God. Do you understand? That your acceptance with God is based upon your adherence to a certain regulation. And we, even though our church is a little bit more grace-oriented, we are in danger of that as well. So all of us are in danger of embracing some sort of teaching and thinking that our acceptance with God is based upon that. Do you understand what I'm saying? So we have to be on guard of that. And so that's what he's going to uh, warn us about here today. So let's look at verse 8 of chapter 2, and uh, we'll start here. Notice, notice his warning. Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. Okay, so that's first thing he's going to do here is, is he's going to tell us to be on guard. Paul tells his readers to beware of anyone who would cheat them through deception. Now, he's using the word cheat here because he wants you to understand that salvation is a very special gift from God to you. The concept that God accepts you, not based upon what you've done or haven't done, but based upon what Jesus has done on the cross, that's, that's, a, that's an amazing concept, that his acceptance of me is because of Jesus. And if I embrace that, that's a wonderful prize in your life. So what he's saying here is you need to be on guard. You need to be aware. Lest somebody cheat you. Now let's stop for a moment. That's a great word, cheat. 
Have you noticed, how do, how do people cheat? Or do they come right out? I mean, you, you and I play games with each other, you know, board games and card games and stuff, and, and we like to joke about, oh, you're a cheater, because it's very obvious that some people like to relish in that role, and they obviously are cheating in the game. But that's not the true concept of cheating. When you have somebody who's cheating, they don't want to be seen as cheating, right? What do they do? They hide it. They, they're deceptive. They're they're subtle about it. Okay, so that's what you need to understand. You you need to be careful, lest you're subtly cheated, let let astray in your concept of the gospel. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because it's subtle. Before you know it, you'll embrace it. Before you know it, you'll embrace it. So let me just stop for a moment. Everybody here would agree with this statement. You can't do anything for salvation. Everybody agree with that? Why is it today that we think we've got to do something to keep it? Do you know what I'm talking about? We can't do anything for it. But why do we operate like we've got to do something to keep it? That, my friends, is deception and cheating. You say, what do you mean? Think about how many churches you've been in. A lot of you have been in older, more traditional churches where you had to dress up, and if you didn't dress up, you were looked down upon, and you had this concept that God wasn't accepting you, or you had to give. Now, you should give. You have a responsibility to give. But if you didn't give... There's something wrong with you. If you didn't serve, if you, were, if you weren't serving at four Sunday school positions at one time on a Sunday, now that's ridiculous, but it was almost like that, right? If you weren't there, you need to be there, but you, you can get to where you begin to view your acceptance with God. See, the thing is, is you know, why do we do that? Because we've been cheated. We've been cheated. And that's the warning he's giving us here. So he's telling us to beware of anyone, anyone who would uh, cheat you with deception. So let's go on. Continue looking at verse 8. The word philosophy means the love of wisdom here. The love of wisdom. And, and if you notice, the people will come to you and they'll have a good spiel. When they, when they try to, tell, like, I, I remember, I'll never forget when I was in Canada, in our first church, I had a deacon there who felt that you should dress up every Sunday. I, I remember, like, oh, on Sunday evenings, I'm just going to wear a sweater. Do you remember when sweaters were in? Okay. I said to him, I'm, not, I'm just going to wear a sweater on Sunday evenings. Well, I'm going to continue to wear my suit. Why? Well, you know, if you appear, you remember, there's a queen in Canada. Elizabeth is the queen of Canada, okay? If you were going to appear before the queen, you would wear a suit. If you're going to appear before Jesus, you need to be in your best as well. Well, I got a nice sweater. You know what I'm saying? I got a nice sweater. And you know, if there is truth to that. If, if you're going to go visit the White House, you're going to, you're going to go buy it. You're going to go to J.C. Penney's and buy a coat, right? And a tie. But no, no. But what I'm saying is, is if we if we are going to go visit somebody like that, you're going to dress up. But God doesn't look at your outward appearance. The Scripture tells us He looks at our what? 
our hearts. Yeah, that's true. Jesus, that's good, Bruce. You've taken it another logical step farther than I would have. That's great. The point is, is that, see, you can come up with some sort of philosophy or some wise saying to justify the deception. Yeah, go ahead. I think it's um, something significant here is that it's, it's all about blurred boundaries and Satan or lines of when's it broken, when's it not. But Satan can use that blurred line yes. to take our focus off of what's important and keep it on that blurred line. That's exactly we're right. sitting there in the hamster wheel. Yep. Did you hear what he said? It's about blurred lines. It's about the gray areas. Another way would be the gray areas, okay? The gray areas. You know, um, <clears throat> let's go on. Paul's warning is against a type of philosophy that keeps people from seeing the truth. His warning is against a type of philosophy that keeps people from seeing the truth. Okay, let's talk for a moment. What's the truth? The truth is, you are accepted by God because of who? Jesus. So anything that would keep you from seeing that truth is a what? A deception. Okay? Anything that would keep you from seeing that truth is a deception. So for instance, how many of you are enjoying the coffee this morning? Okay? You're enjoying the coffee. It's Colombian. Okay, if you like the Colombian back there. I'm sorry, it's not Folgers, Bruce, okay? All right? So, uh, it is Maxwell House, okay? But I can tell you right now, 20 years ago, that wouldn't have been back there. 20 years ago, you wouldn't be sitting there with your styrofoam snappies cup or sheets cup or, or whatever. You wouldn't be doing that. You know that. And if you did bring one in, what would happen? I hear mumbling. You'd be dumping it out and chucking it, right? I mean, you would you would be seen as look at Rob, he's getting up to get a refill. <laughs> okay. You know, exercise that freedom in Jesus, brother, okay? So, you know, the, the reality is is that look, what it does is is that it keeps you from seeing the truth. So now it's like I I gotta be careful how I am here. I gotta be careful. Because you begin to see the stuff that you do as affecting what? Your acceptance with God or how God sees you. Keeps you from seeing the truth. All right, let's go on. He warns against being led astray by empty or hollow deception. He's basically saying to them, guys, what they're promising is empty and hollow. I remember as a young Christian being at an independent Baptist church, Understanding that I didn't, couldn't do anything for salvation, but being almost driven crazy with the concept of trying to keep it. Even though we believed in eternal security, being wrestling a lot of times was wondering if I was even saved. Did I pray enough? Did I, did, was the baptism okay? Do you know what I'm saying? Do I need to ask God into my heart again? Simply because I wasn't able to keep up with a, the, the subtle lies of what it meant to be a Christian. Did you understand what I'm saying? 
what it meant to be accepted by God. We've got to be so careful of that. You say, boy, aren't you glad we're not like that, George? Yeah, but you know what? We could be. You know, and I'm giving you the extreme of my past with, with the legalism of an independent Baptist church, but what I want you to understand is, is we could be that quick too. We could be that quick in, in embracing our own. You know, the traditions we lay down now can become the things that undo us later. Did you understand what I'm saying? The traditions we lay down now can become the things that undo us later. And, and that's just reality. You need to be on guard because the truth is, is my acceptance is by who? By Christ alone, not because of me. Now, Let's go on. His readers must guard against human traditions that come in conflict with truth. Haven't we seen that in churches before? Traditions that come in conflict with truth. And, and we've got to be on guard. You know, I, I was just thinking today, you know, about we we're starting the men's breakfast, prayer breakfast, and I thought, boy, we'll do that as long as we sense God's telling us to do that. But if it becomes a ritual and it becomes more about eating, then it, we gotta kill it. We gotta kill it. Because if it no longer serves the purpose of magnifying Christ and the salvation that we have in Him, then we gotta kill it. I mean, let's hope 20 years from now, we're not looking back and saying, oh yeah, we got that what, first, last Saturday of the month prayer breakfast. Do you know what I'm saying? We've got to be on guard against traditions that come in conflict with truth. You say, well, there's nothing wrong with getting together for breakfast. You're right. There isn't. But the reality is, if it comes in conflict where the tradition becomes more important than who? Jesus. Then we've got to kill it. You know, you know we've got to kill it. Because it's not serving its purpose. Alright? So, we gotta be on guard against human traditions. They must guard themselves against the basic principles that guide, guides the world's cultures. And those are constantly shifting, aren't they? Do you know what I'm saying? The basic principles that guide our culture, they were different five years ago. They're constantly shifting. Okay? Constantly shifting. But you can't allow that to guide you in whether or not you're accepted by God. Do you understand? You need to be on guard against that. You need to be on guard against that. In fact, here's this. They must not be led astray by anything that is contrary to the teachings of Christ. That's the bottom line here. You don't want to be led astray by anything that is contrary to the teachings of Christ. Folks, the teachings of Christ are not an option for you to accept or reject. If you're a believer, they're not an option. So he goes on then, and he wants to focus for a little bit on the reality of who Jesus is, and that is the deity of Jesus. Look with me at verses 9 through 10. For in him dwells the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him, who is the head of all principality and power. All right, so let's look here. He's going to point out several things. First of all, the fullness of the Godhead. Paul reminds his readers 
that in Jesus Christ all of God's deity dwells. What does that mean, George? Well, I'm going to be honest with you. Jesus was fully human, but he was fully God, too. You need to grasp the reality of that. Jesus is God. The fullness of the Godhead is in Christ. So we need to embrace the reality that he was fully human, tempted like you and I are, but he didn't sin, hungered, slept. Jesus slept? Yeah, remember he was on the boat and the storm was really raging and the disciples are panicking and Jesus is sleeping through the storm. He got tired. He bled. Okay? But yet he's fully God. Paul wants us to understand that in him is the fullness of the the deity. The believer's completeness is only found in Jesus, not in deception. Your completeness of who you are, your maturity of who you are is found in one thing only, one person only. Who's that? Jesus. Nowhere else. It's not found in your study of theology. It's not found in your service. It's not found in your giving. It's not found in anything else other than Jesus Christ. You and I need to understand that because in Him is the Godhead. He is God. That's the point that he's making here. And you need to understand that. So let me just back up for a moment. So now do you understand why it's so important for you and I to have that relationship with him? Why it's so important for you and I to pray? Why it's so important for you and I to study his word? Because any maturity that's going to take place in your life is only going to come through him. I would I would take it one step further. Not just maturity, okay? Every one of us here has stuff we wrestle with, right? Would you all agree with that? You got your habits and your hang-ups, right? Okay. Any victory of that over those things, any changing those things, is only going to come through what? Jesus. Did you understand? The completeness is only going to come through Christ. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's only going to come through Jesus. That's why you've got to get connecting with Him. And let me just stop for a moment. Some of you say, well, I am connected with Him. I'm not changing. Aren't you glad He's patient? He doesn't expect you to change overnight. Because it's found in Him. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's getting with Him, asking Him, talking to Him, wrestling with Him, working it through with Him. Okay? And and let me just stop for a moment. If your concept of God is wrong, you're going to have a wrong concept of Him and that's going to affect you. But if you have a concept that He loves you and is your greatest friend, not just friend, but a loving Heavenly Father who wants what's best for you, you will be blown away by His patience with you. Because I'm going to be honest with you, I'm not that patient. Do you know what I'm saying? Especially when I'm working with my kids, I am not patient. I gotta be. Because I know when I was their age, I sure, I didn't change quickly either. Did you? You know, nobody did. Okay? So then notice now his authority. He's telling us here in verse 10 that Jesus has authority over every power and principality. 
He's sovereign. Now, what's principality? That's basically angels. He has authority over everything. Period. And we know that from Philippians, even though the authorities now won't recognize him as who he is, what does Paul tells us? Chapter 2. There'll come a time when every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. What? That Jesus Christ is Lord. Everyone will acknowledge him at one time. So then notice now, we're going to get back to the issue of coping with legalism. How do we cope with it then? We, we want to be on guard. We want to be... Um, we, we don't want to be deceived from our, un, our pure understanding that our acceptance with God is not based upon um, anything else other than Jesus Christ. How, how are we on guard for that? So look with me. We're going to look at the last verses of this section, which is verses 11 through 17. Look at what he says. In him you also, in him you were also circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, buried with him in baptism, in which you were raised with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. And you being in your trespasses and uncircumcision of the flesh, he made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses having wiped out the handwriting of the requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, he has taken it all out of the way, having nailed it to the cross, having disarmed principalities and powers. He made public spectacles of them, triumphing over them in it. So let no one judge you in food or drink. In regarding or regarding a festival or a new moon or Sabbaths, which are a shadow of things to come, but the substance is of Christ. Here's what he's talking about. First of all, he's going to remind you, in order for you to deal with the legalism, notice what he's doing here. I think it's amazing what he does. In order for you to deal with somebody who's going to add some concept to your gospel that you need to do something to be accepted with God, look at what he does. Here's what he does. First thing I want you to see here is, is that the Judaizers stress that Gentiles must be circumcised in order, according to the Mosaic law. So the, the emphasis that they were getting, the false teaching, is, is that you had to be circumcised. Alright? Now, here's what he does. Here's where he starts. Paul points out that believers were spiritually circumcised by Jesus Christ. See, the Judaizers focused on the physical circumcision of a male. Paul says, no, no, you don't need to worry about the physical circumcision because when you got saved, you were spiritually circumcised. In your hearts. That's the point he's making here. So then he also points out that they were baptized. They were baptized, which expresses the reality of their salvation. See what he's doing? He's, he's wanting them to get away from the things that they're being told to do for acceptance. He's wanting to remind them about what's already taken place. You were circumcised in your heart when you came to Christ. Your heart changed, didn't it? 
You were baptized. What does that mean? You publicly expressed outwardly what took place in your life inwardly through salvation. That's what he's saying here. Remember your standing. Remember what it took for you to come to Christ. That's what he's getting to here. If I'm going to deal with the legalism, if I'm going to deal with somebody who's trying to cheat me or impose upon me some standard, that says that this is what I've got to do to be accepted by God, I've got to go back to what? An understanding, a basic understanding of my standing with Christ. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's what he's getting at here. So he goes on, Though they were spiritually dead in sins, Jesus made us alive with him. That's the next point he makes here. So he's going to stress what? Your heart changed. You were spiritually circumcised. You were baptized to show the inward work of what's going on here. Not only that, folks, remember, before you became a Christian, you were dead. You were going to hell. That's what Ephesians chapter 2 says. And he's saying now, you were made alive through who? You were made alive through who? Christ. The point is, you're made alive. Remember that. Here's what else he says. Through his death on the cross, Jesus has what? Forgiven us, and not only just forgiven us, but what? Remove the offense. Now you and I can relate to that. Has anybody ever done you wrong? And you've forgiven them? But did you forget about it? Maybe. Okay? Eventually, maybe. Here's, here's the thing. He forgives, but he also removes it. Isn't that awesome? Talk about being accepted with him, right? He's trying to bring us back. So how I'm going to cope with this is to understand these things. Jesus Christ triumphed over spiritual forces of evil and made a mockery of them. That's what we've got to understand. The basis of our standing is Jesus he won the victory. He made a mockery of, of the spiritual forces of evil. So here's the encouragement. Here's what he says. Okay? And before I give you this, I want you to mark this down in your mind. This has to be a daily thing. Write this down in your notes. This has to be a daily thing. Because... You will be constantly challenged in this area by somebody. Uh, let me just stop for a moment. And it won't be by somebody outside of the church. It won't be by an unbeliever. The challenge will come from those who call themselves what? Christians. Did you understand what I'm saying? You're not going to the right church. You're not using the right Bible. You're not doing this. You're not doing that. What do you mean you guys don't have this kind of a service? You know what I'm saying? He doesn't teach on this. or he does. You, you, you're going to be constantly challenged by other Christians concerning whether or not you are truly accepted by God. Do you, how many of you know what? You've experienced that already. Yes, haven't you? Okay. So this is a, this, what I'm about to show you is something you've got to be on guard with Daily, and the reason why you can do that is because you have an understanding of what he just said concerning your standing. What's your standing? Your heart was changed, circumcised. You were baptized, reflecting what took place in your heart. You were forgiven. The offense was removed. 
Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? Now, you're, you're made alive. Now, here's what it is. Don't let anyone judge you as to whether you are fulfilling legalistic requirements. Don't let anyone judge based because whether or not I'm following some legalistic system or not. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? Do you understand what I'm You've got to do that. You know who it is in your life. Maybe it's a family member who says, well, you guys aren't doing this. You're not doing this. And at first it used to bother you. Do you know what I mean? You were bothered by that. you got to get to the place where you develop the height of a rhinoceros and let it just bounce off of you. Do you understand what I'm saying? Bounce off of you. Because again, remember, your acceptance with Jesus is not based upon what? On that. Your acceptance with Jesus is based upon who? Christ. See, that's the thing. So don't let anyone judge you as to whether or not you're fulfilling legalistic requirements. In fact, he goes on and says, and remember, because he's talking about the Jews, the Jews were... The Jews, the Jewish Christians, the Judaizers, especially those who were very legalistic from, from Jerusalem, were coming up and saying, well, you know, you guys aren't celebrating the new moons. You're not keeping the ritual feasts. You're not being circumcised. How can you say you're accepted by God? They're, they were coming in, so here's what Paul says to them. Look, the Old Testament rituals and observances were a foreshadowing of who? Jesus. See, what he's saying is, guys, you're forgetting that the stuff that you're trying to adhere to in the Old Testament was only a picture pointing to who was coming. And who would come? Jesus. And now that we have Jesus, do I need to constantly be reminded that he's coming? No, he's here. He lives within me. Remember what he said earlier? Christ in you, the hope of glory? Christ in you, the hope of glory? So, we've got to be on guard. We've got to be on guard. Okay, we've got a couple minutes here. Next week we're going to uh, talk about false spirituality. Again, seems like only fitting. We're, we've got to be on guard against deception, so we're going to talk about false spirituality next week. <laughs>